you got into business to pursue your passion, not to worry about insurance. But the reality is every business faces risks and you need to make sure that your business is protected. Insurance doesn't have to be complicated and learning some basic risk mitigation principles like how to develop a business continuity plan can go a long way. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools. Visit sovereigninsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. We understand that running a small business can get complicated. That's why Canada Post Solutions for Small Business offers end-to-end -end services and tools that help grow your business, plus save you time and money. Visit canadapost.ca forward slash small business for simple solutions. The Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal, and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full-day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one-day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export, and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local awards ceremony at startupaward.ca. to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business. It's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. This is Brenda Irwin, Managing Partner of the Relentless Venture Fund. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. You know, the studio that I'm sitting in in Fredericton, New Brunswick, at the wonderful Planet Hatch location, which is the local incubator here. They tell me to be quiet sometime, but I'm not going to be for this interview because this is going to be one of those rides. You're going to want your seatbelt because it's going to be spectacular, fun, informative, and just all around a freaking amazing journey. Because today's guest is a seasoned board director, investor, and managing partner of the Relentless Venture Fund. Brenda Irwin founded Relentless last year, a mission-based health technology fund. Relentless builds upon the Relentless Pursuit Partner Sport and Health Tech Angel Investment Group that Brenda co-founded in 2015 with Olympian and triathlete Simon Whitfield. The new Relentless Fund is an early-stage fund dedicated to investing in preventative and proactive technology solutions. Relentless is relentless in the best way possible – 
and wears impact on their sleeves. On a mission for social impact, Relentless Partners invest in health technologies that promote access to healthcare, improve physical and mental well-being, and that engage individuals in the management of their own health. With planning, strategy, and evaluation as the main ingredients, Brenda's firm has mastered a recipe for impact success. A specialist in assessing top grading investment potential, Brenda knows what it takes to work with companies through all of their life stages. Brenda's first investment with the new fund is Canary Medical, which is a BC-based digital health company, a perfect match for the firm as the platform delivers on all three of their mission-based goals. Brenda is a former former life science venture capitalist for BDC, where she managed a $100 million healthcare portfolio made up of private and public organization. And in addition, Brenda is committed to nonprofits. Most recently, she was on the board of directors for Providence Healthcare, chairing the Innovation Academic and Research Committee. And yes, it's going on. <laughs> Brenda is also the former VP. <laughs> She's also the former VP and board director for Take a Hike. I love it. Youth at Risk Foundation, an organization committed to optimizing access to education and positively impacting the lives of risk at, at, at risk youth. Brenda believes in inspiring young women to pursue careers in technology and science and has been named a Vancouver 40 Under 40 Award recipient, as well as one of the most influential women in finance by BC Business. Today's show, we're going to discuss with Brenda her commitment to early stage tech startups and companies and her mission for social impact while investing. Brenda Irwin, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. It is my absolute delight and pleasure. Uh, Rivers, love talking about all things relentless. <laughs> I love it. It's living your brand. Good for you. All right. Well, a little bit of transparency there from the beginning. Brendan and I were talking before the show got started, and I'm a big fan of Simon Whitfield. So we get chatting about that, blah, blah, blah. And then we get into the prep. And, and, and then we get into, okay, there's some questions that are sometimes sent to me and sometimes not. And so Brenda said to me, Rivers, I'm a storyteller. That's what I want to do is tell a story. That's what I do best. But in preparation for the interview, she said she got very specific on answering this question. And I love that she did that because it wasn't it wasn't about what she wanted to do. She what what she wanted to do for you guys, the listeners. So so Brenda, let's dive right into that question right away. What do you want our listeners to take away from today's conversation? Well, Rivers, there I actually have three primary goals. And and the first one is I want everyone to deepen their appreciation for the impact of networking and relationship development. And as simple as it sounds, networking can never be underestimated, whether you're an entrepreneur or an investor. And I'm going to speak to that later uh, during our conversation today. The second point is uh, my hope is that every listener leaves this episode inspired to educate themselves about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and not just to read them, but understand the layers and where, as an entrepreneur, they may play a role in delivering on the objectives that were set by the UN to be achieved by 2030. And the third goal, that as an investor in health tech, that listeners activate new preventative health strategies for themselves, or at least deepen their appreciation for the possibilities that lay ahead for managing personal health, because we've finally entered the era where technology can and will be answering the so what after achieving that daily 10,000 step count. Love it. I got I got to ask you this question. I, I used to work in the health care world and owned a nursing home. Uh, and, you know, all the way, you know, in all my years of playing in that space, it was all about preventative. Yeah, yeah, we got to do preventative, but governments still ended up in doing the exact opposite. And so why is it a better world now to be able to partake in that preventative world versus I'll call it the reactive world, the tertiary world? <laughs> Well, I'd say that the number one reason is technology is creating new opportunities and and technology in the sense of, and it was part of the underpinning of, of what Simon and I started was data. There had been data showing up for years in both professional and, and recreational athletics. And that warehouse of data was being used for individual performance tracking. So there, there was this precedent 
um, of information and then all kinds of conversation in health about big data and insights around data, but not, right. but it didn't exist. So it mm. was, the intention was there, but the, right. the longitudinal data, the information wasn't there to provide insights. So what's happened over the last couple of years is more technology and the measurement of everything from fitness trackers and, and new sensors um, that uh, are almost becoming ubiquitous now. Uh, it, it's translating to the ability to measure in a moment uh, mm-hmm. an individual's decision. And then we're now at the beginning, it's still early days, but we're now being able to manage that information to be predictive about the choices people are making and also um, have a conversation about whether or not those choices improve, that you can measure the actual health outcomes. It's, it's, been, yep. it's a very... It's a new, it's a new world, uh, the world of preventative health, um, and it's one of our two main buckets. And, and the reason we're focused on it is because we see that technology and the use of data is now catching up, and and people will create will have more confidence about the decisions they make and, and the strategies they're using. And is it fair to say that um, that uh, community of sports professionals like a Simon Whitfield? That be, that allows you to bridge what it is you're trying to do into, quote unquote, the mainstream world where doctors are looking after senior citizens and kids and so on, because you're able to prove it in this environment because they they are embracing what it is you're trying to do. Is that is that a fair statement? Uh, I, I would see that I would say that it's a fair statement around um, people generally understand the precedent in, in sport. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's high performance or recreational, I think right. I think we're still early at the point of an individual consumer or a patient having confidence around strategies that will actually help them with their manage their own health. I think it's intuitive, but I think we're still early around the evidence, and and that's where Relentless is is showing up. Is where can we invest in products, technologies, strategies where there is evidence supporting an individual's use of the product that it's going to impact their health outcomes. Okay, cool. I'm going to get back to that as we go along with the conversation. Okay. Just like you're going to take me back to the the World Health Association uh, organization, right? We're going to talk about that uh, and the objectives, one of those things you want to achieve. But I want to take you back to the summer of 2013. Brenda Irwin <laughs> was invited by a friend to a Vancouver pitch event. <laughs> and the friend shall remain anonymous. <laughs> She had only left her job with the Business Development Bank of Canada 18 months prior and didn't have a lot of money. Yes, now we're getting into story time. (laughs) But, you know, one thing about Brenda, she's a fanatical runner, cyclist, and triathlete, and she was drawn to this kind of setup, this kind of of scenario where – where a gold Olympic gold Canadian Olympic gold triathlete Simon Whitfield was taking people on a 50 kilometer bike ride, and at the end, the <laughs> there's going to be uh, you know this pitch by Simon. Now Brenda went in, and of course, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is no, I am not investing in anything. I'm just along for the experience. But as one of my favorite uh, sayings is, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> Brenda, what what happened? And yeah, take us through that story because as an entrepreneur, this has taken you in a total direction you had not expected to go into. Oh, it's it changed the course of my my professional career in in a moment. So I, you know, earlier I highlighted the importance of networking and relationships, and and I knew two things that I was geeking out about the idea of going for a bike ride with Simon on a Friday night in, in August. I remember it like it was yesterday. And Neat. I just knew I was going to be interacting with a group of individuals. I knew a couple people that were going, but I didn't really know who was showing up for this event. And uh, my confidence was built in the fact that I, I'd been training for a, a half Ironman. So I knew I could pull off the 50K, even though it wasn't ever meant to be a you know what we often refer to as the hammer fest through the evening and and you know I I was the only woman that showed up I think there was 26 or 27 guys 
took off for a ride on a beautiful Friday night in the summer. And, uh, you know, near the end of the ride, I had my requisite selfie with Simon. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, d- <laughs> during the course of the, that ride, you know, there were a couple of individuals I had connected with that we were just chit-chatting at, and I was learning more about who they were, heard a little bit more about what the company was that was going to be presenting. And I thought, you know what, I, I'm, just managing my own expectations around just, I want to hear what this is, uh, what the business is. And I want to meet more of the people that are going to be at this event. Ah, so you were intrigued now. I I was intrigued. And and it's interesting because I like to uh, consider myself very disciplined about, about my time and and managing (laughs) Mm -hmm. my own expectations. And, and as an investor, um, for many years, I know that as soon as you are participating in a pitch opportunity, the assumption is there's a possibility of you, you know, continuing in, in the exploration of that event. And I just didn't, yes. I, you know, I just didn't have the appetite to consider it at that point in time. But yes. I did go. Uh, there was a great barbecue. There was also some swimming in the ocean with Simon, which was a little bit surreal. Well, we weren't swimming mm. with him. We were watching him swim. Um, we, were di- <laughs> we were just taking a dip in the ocean. And then over the course of the pitch event, um, uh, Simon has told this story a few times to, to people where um, I saw in that moment um the entrepreneur, not Simon, the entrepreneur that was presenting this business opportunity was, was struggling. And I was, I was serving up some softballs to try and help recover. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Simon noticed. <laughs> so what Simon would share in, in his words, I, something to the effect of, um, I noticed that this, this person was trying to help us when everybody else appeared to be piling on so to speak. Right. And uh, he approached me at the end of the pitch and said, I want to know who you are. Nice. And it was uh, the beginning of a really great um, uh, interaction that evening. And, and uh, within a couple of months, I was actually helping the company uh, trying to work, work on, on them building their business. And it just all came back to though the difference between being um, that that person who was trying, I wasn't there to try and prove what I knew. I was I right. was using my experience as an investor, knowing the things that I need, knew that this entrepreneur needed to talk about that I was trying to tease out to help them raise money in the room that night. Mm. You know, it's it, 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 this is a lesson of networking, and when when I. I've always found the best times I've had enjoyable personally and professionally is when I go in to the, to the room, to the, whatever it is without expectations. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to hang out and see where this journey takes me. And it's those magical spots. And that's a great reinforcement for what you've done. So let's kind of dive into, okay, you saw a business opportunity and working with each other. um, And you formed an angel group called relentless pursuit partners. That's okay, cool. So can you take us into, into, uh, and, and it's, and it's ideas to invest in everything from wearable tech for sports coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Can you take us into what you two saw, or was this a continuation from the, the, the business that they were pitching that night, uh, that ultimately created this? What I'm getting at is for our audience to see your opportunity to pursue an opportunity. Well, I, I got to know Simon through doing some consulting work for that that company, the company from that okay. evening, but they were decoupled in terms of Relentless Pursuit Partners. It was more about, it was a challenging business, uh, the end result, it, it didn't recover. So most of the time I actually spent with Simon was during very uncomfortable, difficult, challenging times where he saw how I managed all kinds of stakeholders in the business, whether it was the employees, the early investors. And um, it, it's quite revealing about personalities when you have no other starting point where there's very little positive. <laughs> and, yes. and, and, and it's about how are you solving the challenges? And, and in that process, um, 
you know, when you go into any kind of investment relationship, you need to know how people show up in the good times and bad. And, and it was quite comfortable in terms of the dynamic that, that Simon and I um, were experiencing in, in that process. So I, I, again, drawing on my experience thought, okay, I know what he has to bring the table in terms of his experience. He had just retired. He had just officially announced his retirement. Um, So part of what I was presenting was, look, I have this theory and this idea that everything that's been that we've been seeing him from his professional uh, international experience, me to my, you know, avid recreational triathlete experience, that data and technology was going to start translating into improving health outcomes. It just, the trends were pointing in the right direction. So I actually, Mm. I actually pitched to him and said, I want to test the thesis of um, an umbrella. (laughs) So, you know, venture capital in my experience is, is, very specific in the domain. So when I started, you were either an IT investor, a health investor, clean tech investor. There was no fintech and sure tech. None of that existed in the beginning. But there's still a what I would describe as a um, institutional bias that you have to fit in a certain box. And it's usually <laughs> industry or technology specific. What I pitched to Simon is that I wanted to test the thesis of investing in a vision and the vision to be impacting health activity and longevity. That that was the starting point. It reminds me, when you say that, you know, the, the old version of venture cap and so on, it reminds me of that cartoon character when you say it and his eyes bulge right out. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Investing in a vision. That, that does, that's not how it works. Well, it, <laughs> so and, that, and exactly, Rivers, it's very provocative. What do you mean investing mm-hmm. in a vision and how do you measure that? And so, mm. so what I'd said, what I'd suggested to him is, is that we spend some time exploring at that point, the Canadian landscape around what kind of technologies, products, services were out there that maybe in fitness, maybe in sport, but somehow would address um, prevention or managing life with disease. And, and we, you know, our first couple investments didn't work out and, and what they, they proved to us and helped refine the thesis for the, the venture fund is, okay, um, this might be a sexy smart bike or this, this piece of hardware um, may, looks like it would have the potential as a, as a bundle with the software product to engage people in a fitness facility. I mean, being mm. kind of general about the concepts that we were looking at, the end of the day, it wasn't sustained, neither business was sustainable um, and they they weren't able to directly help us point towards an individual's engagement with their health or yes. measure the impact on their health. And so as we as we proceeded through the angel um, investing process, we had about at our at our peak seven seven companies. What was happening was in the broader market, relentless was becoming associated with anything that that even touched fitness or sport or health that was not drugs, drugs, devices, or diagnostics. And so um, the mission was accomplished in two ways. One, we knew what not to invest in. And and that was very much, you know, the, I would simplify it as, as pure hardware plays um, and ones that were too narrowly focused on recreation and not enough, yes. enough health. And then the yes. other part being um, it's, it's, you know, sport tech uh, is, is very broad and being able to figure out which ones made the most sense for us just became noisy. So we have shifted from anything that we would look at that has an element of fitness or sport has to have transferability to specific health outcomes. So I, I said to Simon, like the Relentless brand is is real. It is is becoming associated in a way that that is actually aligning with the vision of impacting yes. health and activity. Right. And now's the time to start the fund. Yeah, and also the brand name. I mean, ultimately, um, that's I love playing in that world of brands, and that's exactly what it, Relentless is about. The fact you have to keep focused on that vision, not necessarily the sale. And I will share Rivers that that the the brand of Relentless Pursuit Partners is 
from Simon's mantra during his Olympic career of the relentless pursuit of excellence. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that share. I, I got a little side question for you because, you know, you, and this is for entrepreneurs that are looking for funding. Mm-hmm. You've got that experience. You're at a VC level, yeah. at an angel level. You know, how should it, you said two companies that didn't work. Yeah. And so, you know, would the, what do you say to entrepreneurs who, should they go back to Brenda Irwin again? And again, even though they've failed the first two times or, or, you know, how do, how do angel groups look upon the individuals in that journey versus the journey itself? I don't know if I'm talking about, I just want people to feel encouraged. It's like going to mom and dad. Okay. Mom, I had $5 from you last week. Can I have more this week? You know, does that, is that, can that work? Or do Uh, you kind of just say, you know what we didn't. I'm so glad you asked that question. I, I have to say, you know, recently I, I delivered a, um, a workshop at a conference here at the BC Tech Summit. It was about fundraising strategies. And at the heart of it, in the description, I was sharing with the organizers that, like, we have to be clear that this is not a laundry list of or a pick list of where to go for funding. This is a, yes. you're going to sit in the room with Brenda for an hour, and I'm going to give you some very specific under the hood feedback and direction about the ha- how to handle fundraising. And in that experience, I included a list of my pet peeves. And one of my pet peeves that I shared with entrepreneurs in, the, in that moment, and I know this doesn't sound inspiring, but I'll, hopefully it, it will be clear for entrepreneurs that right. I don't consider failure a badge of honor. So when an entrepreneur opens with, you know, I've learned so much from my failures, it's, you know, this is, this uh, is number three, number four. It's like, really? Tell me about it. And, uh, and it's all in how the individual entrepreneur expresses and, and moves forward from the failures. And, and I have to say that there are more entrepreneurs that brag about failure because I'm supposed to assume that they learn something. Yeah. Right. right? Whereas yeah. I will dig into the, well, tell me more. What would you have done differently? Have you, you know, what, how does this change what you're doing in, in the, the next, next business? It's when you've been investing as long as I have, it doesn't take more than a minute for me to figure out whether the pe- the person sitting in front of me has substance and whether or not they really learned. Do you cut? Do you cut off interviews quick if you know that it's not going to work? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I I'm you. terrible. I don't play poker because I have a terrible poker face, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is not good for investing either. But no. like an entrepreneur will know pretty quickly whether or not they still have my attention. That's too funny. I, why I asked that question? I worked for a company out of Halifax one time, and I remember the I went into the interviews with the with the owner my first time out, and this. About two interviews in, this person came in, sat down. Within 30 seconds, he says, okay, thanks for coming. I appreciate you being here. Oh, and I'm wow. just like, what? You didn't even, couldn't even fake it for five minutes? He says, no, don't have time. He says, not, not a fit. And that's that uh, that in- intuition. You, you're in it and in the game long enough. And uh, I think I think a side lesson is, you know, your time is just as important as theirs is. So so good good stuff. Okay, so uh, – so, um, uh, let's talk a, bit, a little bit. I, I do want to ask you, you know, you've been in the health world for a while with your investment career. Yeah. You obviously have a passion for it or have you thought uh, Brenda or when you say, you know what, I'm done hanging out with health. I'm tired of it. I want to go hang out with, you know, save the trees, whatever you want to call it. Have you ever thought you'd like to do something, invest in another area? Uh, fun fact, uh, when I was at BDC, um, it was life sciences and within life yes. sciences, it actually included a forest biotech company. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, by the way, I did not know any of this stuff beforehand, <laughs> folks. <laughs> hilarious to me because it was probably one of the most, um, <laughs> devastating experiences of my venture career in terms of, of all of the, the cycles we went through and the ultimate loss in that company. So I have yes. dabbled in, in, in 
in trees. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, you'd mentioned earlier rivers where, but prior to going to that event where I met Simon, I, I was about a year and a half out of leaving BDC and, and trying to decide if I was going to stay in the world of investing because it mm. is a tough, tough business. Um, and health investing has its own deep challenges, particularly in, in healthcare where it can be, well, it typically is more than a decade before you're going to know if all the work as an entrepreneur or as investors working with entrepreneurs is actually going to result in, in new um, drugs on the market. Uh, right. So I knew in that time of reflection that the number one, the number one thing that kept me motivated during my entire um, healthcare venture career was at the end of the day, um, yes, the goal was to make make money and and have venture returns, but at but in my heart, I knew that I was having an impact on people's health. That is what kept me going. And when I reflected on that, it was um, it wasn't tough for me to decide to stay in investing and investing in health, I just needed to be sure that the areas of health that I was going to be investing in were ones that I felt I could make a difference um, in a more direct way than I felt I was as, a, as an investor in drug development. So the whole journey of social impact is becoming much more of a, it um, comes to my head buzzwords, but it really is becoming a uh, an impactful way to build business not only from a profitability perspective, but from a social impact perspective, which you just noted. Can you give us one, maybe two cool examples? You say this company has got it figured out and this is why, and this is why when I invested in them, I came out of it and said, man, that was so, so great because of the impact. In in terms of my current current, current. no well, well I'll pick anyone I get you know you've you've obviously got I've connected with a family of organizations mm-hmm. that are doing some really cool stuff so let's just say the Brenda Irwin family yeah. of yeah. investments what's one, what is one thing one group that you say they've got it figured out how to build a business but also integrate social impact as a key part of their strategy. Well, what I find what I find interesting, Rivers, is is that there aren't a lot of companies that are thinking mm-hmm. about social impact. It's it's right. it's a new it is a new category for many entrepreneurs, and part of that is, um, I think, because there's there's not a lot of education about what what social impact right. is, or the assumption or the biases. It's it's uh, investing. It's more philanthropic investing. Mm. Um, and, and there's even a category called social venture investing. And, you know, I'm, when, when we, um, made the decision to start relentless and, and the fund, it's really a hybrid fund. We are first and foremost, a venture capital fund. And, and right. as I describe it, with a, with a social impact heart. And the reason I say we are a social, we have a social impact heart is, we know we're delivering on health outcomes. We know that we're delivering right. measurable engagement with patients. And, and when it comes to the companies we're working with, they're still focused on delivering a product to the market, commercializing right. a product, getting through technology market risk. They're not thinking, as we are, what is the social impact of what we're doing? So it's an interesting position to be in as an investor where even as a team, we have intake tools where we cross-reference, you know, our four key venture drivers by our three social impact objectives. And internally, we assess, okay, this is a compelling business from a venture perspective in terms of the opportunity. Is there enough potential for there to also be social impact? And in health, it's pretty common that you're going to have a very big box checked that improved health outcomes is going to be a key driver, right? right. So no matter what business we're looking at, we right. expect there to be, which is different from our angel investing. That's probably a good place to, to highlight the difference between what we did in the angel group versus the venture fund is this is where she takes over the interview folks well, right well, now. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm teasing. It's good. I'm just, I'm just having this eureka moment. Of, yeah, that's the difference. Like we didn't have that intake tool with the angel group. And, and I right. guarantee you at least half of them 
we would not have been able to tick the box of improving health outcomes, like measurably improving health outcomes. Wow. That's crazy. So um, when you're, when you're, this is a chicken and egg question. Mm -hmm. Organizations that are beginning their journey and they're very socially impactly uh, oriented, uh, but you know, they're in the, they're, they're building, they're doing validation, they're doing research on their customers. So at what point did in a journey of a, of a business in order for them to be successful in your opinion, and I know I'm asking you to generalize, but when should they begin to know the social impact piece of this business journey is now going to be equal with profitability? Uh, it is a chicken and egg question. And I think from my experiences so far with, with the lens of, of assessing the potential for social impact with, with companies, that it's as much my responsibility as an investor to educate and inform the companies around where I see they can, right. they can have impact. And because it really is a new paradigm. I, I personally, I was on a, a panel, oh, about three years ago. Um, and it was the first time I ever spoke on a panel that was specific around social impact. And the two, two gentlemen I was speaking with are, have been in so, social impact investors for years. Neither of them have been deep technology investors but all mm-hmm. the social impact investors. And I looked at them on that panel and I was like, isn't if I'm delivering on health outcomes and improving people's health, isn't that always social impact? It totally is. Yeah. And, and they both said, yes. I was like, so my part of what I'm working on is, is changing the framing of the language of what the expectations it's always, in t- you know, the intentionality is at the heart of um, uh, the social impact uh, community. Yes. And, and for me, I step back and, you know, we, we address a subsection of the sustainable development goals of the United Nations. So one of them is health and well-being. And when you look under health and well-being, there is, as you would expect from a from what I would call a traditional social impact expectation around improving uh, maternal health in, in third world countries, access to vaccinations, there's clean water. And then one of the bullets there is where we are laser focused. And that is reducing the prevalence of non-communicable diseases through prevention. And mm-hmm. then specifically stating heart disease, diabetes, and mental health. And that and that's our sweet spot. Interesting. Can you say that again where your sweet spot is, those three? So our sweet spot, as it aligns specifically with the United Nations, is yes. um, the, the prevention as well as the management of life with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and mental health. Well, and, and, and the mental health piece flies back so well into, quote unquote, the Olympic athlete also. So what a, what an, I mean, my mind is just going, I'm going blah, blah, blah. I mean, impact, totally social impact on what you're doing. Totally social impact. That is so cool. Well, so, and then, sorry, go ahead. The, the fourth, there's, so this, the fourth one, so we have four. The fourth one doesn't show up within the, the United Nations specific um sdg but we add mobility to that group Mm. because cardiovascular health diabetes mental health and mobility in our opinion those are four of um the the biggest growing uh chronic conditions with the aging population Mm. but they're Mm. also the four chronic states that individuals can do something about by their own choices which uh, very cool. Which is where mm. engagement comes back, and and technology mm. and data, and so we think that the basket that we've selected, it's it's not a niche basket. These are multi billion dollar underserved, mm. unmet needs in the market, um, and the the fact that three of the four of them are targeted by the United Nations as to trillions of dollars, like trillions of dollars are required to solve mm. the, the list of SDGs. Um, I, I'm there. This, <laughs> this is wonderful because I've, I've been trying to tie back in that initial, what do you want the people to get from the yeah. end of this conversation? So now this allows me to bring out my, my, my little soapbox for you to bring us back to, 
uh, that piece, because I think it's right now about what the United Nations, not the World Health Organization, yeah. so what the United Nations is doing uh, in this whole area as a takeaway, because uh, you wanted us to know about it. Yeah, I, I, I'll even go back to that that workshop I, I delivered uh uh, a while back where there was a room of over 200 entrepreneurs. And I asked how many people in this room are familiar with United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And I saw five hands go up. How many people in the room? About 200. Okay. Yeah, it was about 200. And my response to that was that it is a, criti- a critically important um, mandate that is a global mandate where uh, there is the call to action for people to address 17 different uh, goals. And I guaranteed the people in the room that at least half of them would already be addressing at least a couple of them and didn't mm-hmm. know it. And it's not wow. about it's. And, and I think what's really important rivers is it's not about marketing and branding to try and get money in new pots. It's identifying right. And learning about what this this mandate is, this global yes. mandate, and then figuring out how you address it. And if you genuinely, intentionally address them, then there is an, an entirely new uh, group of investors who are only investing in social impact and intentionally within the 17 SDGs. Mm. Business is a team sport, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um. Thank you for taking us on that journey. I think that, that one, it's important, but two, it was important to you. And that's why I wanted Thank to bring you. it, uh, bring it back to that. Um, what do you do to, when you're not up at five o'clock in the morning to get ready for this amazing interview? <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I work, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, this is, this is a business that, I, that I've started and, and just as the uh, tech startups, um, are, you know, small teams and all hands on deck. I, I make sure that I live true to my expectations of others and in, in, in a healthy, healthy living. So I, I run, I bike, I haven't done a triathlon in five years, but my goal is to, to get back to triathlete, triathlete fitness state so I can pull one off by the fall. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, you have an interest in women and girls in technology. Mm-hmm. And I want to give, I'm going to, I'm going to come back with another personal question. Okay. I just want to see if I can get you off board here for a second. So yeah, you have a, have a keen passion in that area. And uh, you know, there's a, there's a definitely the dialogue is heightened for all the right reasons, uh, around that. So, you know, I can only guess why it would be of interest to you, but how are you participating in, in, uh, driving that agenda forward? I take my responsibility seriously in terms of role modeling and mentoring um, young young women, and that includes as young as in high school and programs. and And it started as at the time when I was a middle school science teacher, and during that time, I witnessed the profound disparity between what the girls in my class expected their lives would be from Mm -hmm. a career perspective versus the boys and by creating an opportunity where they connected with uh, engineers at the time it was U of T engineers um, in a in-school environment. It was, it was life altering. Like I could see, I could feel the difference in the kids and, and boys and girls were involved in the, in these events. So I, look for opportunities where I know that I can be part of a a program and not just a moment. So when it comes to um, young women uh, and, and being able to speak about my journey, I was a teacher, I studied science, I was a a, a science teacher, and now I'm an investor in technology. And I like to do more than just speak about it. I like to interact with, with, with the young women. So, um, every, everything from forum for women entrepreneurs to, um, the, uh, organizations up at, uh, UBC, I think that I'm an untapped resource, quite frankly, mm-hmm. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because of my, I, I, me too, by the way, I feel <laughs> that about me. <laughs> well, I, I just, I have such an eclectic background. It's, it's, uh, I, I want, 
you know, young women to, to be inspired about all the possibilities and, and, and as a, a good friend of a friend of mine, um, Julia Levy, who's, you know, a founder of QLT and a scientist, I, I remember her um, in the early 2000s getting many leadership awards and, and saying, I, I want to get the award where I'm not the, the woman. I just want to mm. be the, getting the award where I'm the leader who has had this amazing success. And, and I'd like for all of us to get to that place. Uh, but in the yeah. meantime, my goal is still to create opportunities to inspire both girls because if you got to get them when they're young because yeah. they turn they turn their their minds in very specific directions by the time they mm. get to high school Okay, cool, cool. So, so you've worked uh, for those that don't know Simon Whitfield. He uh, the um, I think it was at the Sydney Olympics. He won his first gold yes. medal. Two thousand. Yeah. So this two thousand. Wow. It's like nineteen years ago. Triathlon was the first. It was the first time it was ever brought into the Olympics, and Canada's uh, Simon Whitfield won it. Uh, he then turned around and he won it the next Olympics in was that Beijing? He he won silver in two thousand and eight. He won silver in 2008. Did he win gold again? No. He did not. He did not win gold. He, okay, he won the silver then. He went. He won okay. the silver in 08. Yeah. But he backed it up. He, he backed, backed it up. up with a performance that was one of quality and so on. So this this person that uh, that uh, Brenda is connecting with is a very accomplished Olympian. And so here's the question. In your journey with Simon, what have you learned from his journey as an Olympian to help you with your journey as an entrepreneur that you say, I could have only have learned that from an Olympian? Oh, what a great question, Rivers. So Simon, you know, aside from his medals at the Olympics, he did go to the Olympics four times. And, and we spent a lot of time in conversation about his experiences and how they changed mm -hmm. over the years. And I would say the number one learning from him sharing with me is the importance of engaging a team in an independent sport. Mm, mm, and mm. I, I mean, there's, there's many layers to that simple statement, but I, I probably need to come back to that more often myself. And it comes back to, you know, not doing thinking because you're a founder and this goes to the entrepreneurs listening that, that you have to do it all or else um, it, it doesn't count. And, and I, I would say that uh, one of the, the skills I've shared many times in the past as a, as a VC is, is I'm an expert generalist. I know enough, yes. I know enough um, to make initial decisions about businesses and opportunities, and then I bring in the experts. And I probably need to do that more as I build my own business, but def definitely, you know, the reflections that Simon shared with me is the importance of team and engagement and, and, um, and directing that team, right? Like he had, he had so many people working around him, but I would say that there were certain critical times where the whole team wasn't working together. And I'm not talking about his athletes, like his fellow athletes, I'm talking about the community around um, yes. and some of the biases and assumptions about what he needed or didn't need. And, and I would say it's the same um, similar for me that, you know, when you, you have a certain amount of experience, people think you have it all covered. Right. And, and it's, it is hard to ask for help uh, no matter what level you're at. And I know Simon went through that at certain points in, in his career, particularly, when you start by winning the gold and then the challenges yes. you go through um, in the years after. And, and he told me about what was written, you know, on the whiteboard in the, in the team training room. And it was basically get bleep done, right? Like just go yeah. do it. <laughs> right, 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 right. I've, 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 I'm sure you've sworn somewhere along your life. <laughs> But because we're, because we're in public now, we can't say that word, right? <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I always wait. I always wait when I'm in sales meetings for uh, for somebody else to swear first. So I, then I say, "Good, I can swear now." 
Yeah, and I was a teacher. I'm just wired that way. <laughs> yeah, of course. Brenda, take us home with the uh, uh, last question says, what advice would you have for Canadian tech entrepreneurs and their companies? You know what? I don't want that question. I want it to be, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs? Uh, and, you, and, and you can only give one and it's the one that's going to be your legacy. Oh boy. Yeah, I know. I love my questions. And so, so, so what's so funny about those questions? And I'm going to give you some time to think about it. Is people think, oh my God, he's creating my legacy. <laughs> it's really not a test. I promise no, you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, a couple that I, that I feel strong about and trying to, to pick, pick the, pick the baby of, of okay. the few that I'm thinking about. Um, I, I would, I'm going to pull on the one, the one that I think is the most that I see that, that is the most underestimated. Um, and it comes down to entrepreneurs and innovation and understanding their competitive environment. Mm -hmm. I would say it is the number one fatal flaw um, for many presentations that I receive around really understanding the competitive environment that you're going into. And it's, it's as if by acknowledging there's competition, you don't think you're going to get an investment. And I will say, I will have much more respect for any entrepreneur that is completely articulate about their competition and then mm. being able to address why they are, you know, you as an entrepreneur with a different technology is superior. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. What a uh, great way to end this roller coaster ride. <laughs> it, we can now take off the seat belts. The wind has thrown through our hair. Okay. <laughs> We're all happy and say, man, was that ever a great ride? Let's go do it again. Let's get back in the lineup again and do it again. Brenda, you uh, you are one of the few that have taken me this long into a podcast interview, and I say oh, really? that with great respect. Oh. By the way, that's a great respect, oh, great respect. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much for for being a part of this journey today. It's been a real honor, and we can't thank you enough for doing what it is that you do. And uh, how do people uh, connect with you? Uh, the easiest way to connect with me is is uh on twitter i i okay. love twitter and and uh i love the social nature of twitter so that's at erwin underscore brenda and then the second way would be uh linkedin okay and the the secret to the website at relentless pursuit partners is the contact information goes directly to me so if, cool. if you want to make a contact through the website it comes to me as well is your birthday February 6th or is your birthday um, June 2nd? February 6th. <laughs> Why? Oh, the number of versions did I? Oh. Yeah, it was on the sky. It was, it was, I always am amazed, <laughs> particularly when I, you know, when I talk to people that are in that marketing space, their, their Skype handle is like, you know, Bob.Jones 39B35. I'm like, Where's the entrepreneurial spirit in those names? And so when I saw 206, I said, oh, there's something cool there. And so that's why I asked. I guessed it, February the 6th. Love it. Love it. Well, happy belated birthday. Keep on happening. <laughs> and uh, we'll look forward to the opportunity to uh, catch up real soon and and, uh, and do the continuing story of Relentless. I appreciate it, Rivers. It's It's been a thrill. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 